from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. Remembering the fundamentals and building relationships with members are key components of lending, say two award winners. I'm Jennifer Plager, Senior Editor with CUNA News. I recently spoke with Lloyd Gill, retired CEO at 565 million asset We Florida Financial in Margate, Florida, and Tim Dunham, Vice President of Consumer Lending at 1.1 billion asset Credit Union of America in Wichita, Kansas. The CUNA Lending Council named Gill the 2020 Phil Greer Lifetime Achievement Award winner and Dunham the 2020 Rising Star during the CUNA Lending Council virtual conference in November. Gill and Dunham joined the CUNA News podcast to talk about lending during the coronavirus pandemic, what lending will look like in the future, the importance of relationship building, and more. First, Gil spoke about what he's seen during his career, how he thinks lending will change, and what kept him involved in the credit union movement for more than 30 years. Lloyd, first off, congratulations on winning the Phil Greer Lifetime Achievement Award. What was your reaction when you found out? You know, uh, Jennifer, I was surprised and honored. It's very humbling to receive this award. Some of the greatest lenders in the industry have received this. And I don't know that I thought of myself as one of them, but I guess my uh, peers did or the judges did. There's some people who've won this that I've known for a very long time, people who've been mentors to me. So it was a big honor, very humbled to uh, get the call to receive this. And it's especially meaningful to me because Phil Greer was a good friend of mine. He was senior vice president of loan administration at State Employees of North Carolina. It's a huge credit union, second biggest in the country. And I knew Phil for a long time. We served together on the executive committee. I was his vice chair, and then I succeeded Phil as the chair. And we worked um, very closely together. I had a lot of uh, respect and admiration for Phil as an employee and as a friend. Now, you've been involved with credit unions for a long time. How have you seen lending change throughout your career? Well, I started in lending in a commercial bank in 1985. When I look back and think about it, at the time I started, when I was in my mid-20s, the only automation that we had was a credit bureau terminal. I mean, everything was done on paper and pen, typewriters, loan documents, things like that. There was no email, no electronic doc prep. Everything was just completely different. So one big change has been automating the application and doc prep process. And uh, another was the introduction of credit scores and risk-based lending. You know, we had credit reports, but we didn't have scores in those days. We didn't have risk-based pricing. Everybody got the same rate. And then, of course, the internet, which revolutionized how members apply for loans, how we process and fund loans with the systems that we have these days. And, you know, when I started out, members would often wait a few days to get a loan decision. It was very common branch would take an application, put it in a bag and send it to the centralized loan department. Maybe you got it the next day and maybe you took a day to look at it and that was considered normal. So you, know, you look back at it now with, with automated decision engines, uh, members can get instant approvals. So it's just amazing how far it's come and it's expected and necessary to compete these days to have that. And then looking at things like loan products, gosh, in 1985, a 48-month auto loan was kind of the norm, and 60 months was the long-term loan. <laughs> now we've got 78, 84, even 96-month loans. So people are stretching that out. It, it, it just sort of creeps that way over time, and they're stretching that out to have lower payments on more expensive cars. They end up with all this negative equity on their cars that they don't really understand why they have. 
And then for credit unions as a whole, we've seen credit unions venture into new lines of business, things like commercial lending, member business loans, and student loans. So things that credit unions themselves were not doing years ago. How do you think lending is going to continue to change as we go ahead in the future? Short term, in the next, say, year or two, I think as we start to come out of the coronavirus and get past that, I think there's going to be a wave of borrowing as unemployment falls, consumer confidence returns. Credit unions need to be prepared with staff, systems, and processes to handle that. I think we'll probably gradually see interest rates go back up. They're really at historic lows at this point. That was done in an effort to stimulate the economy, but I think rates will go back up somewhat. Consumers may be somewhat shocked by that because they've become so accustomed to this. It'll probably be good for credit unions to have more uh, net interest margin and so on, though. You know, from the consumer side, I think this is something I've seen for a while, and I think it'll accelerate. I see consumers being less loyal overall, or at least most loyal to the companies they perceive as aligned with their values and interests and who can meet their demands for speed and service. And they're spreading their business around more. Instead of just having one primary financial institution, they're tending to go to best-in-class providers, many of which are fintechs. So, you know, they've got the checking account one place, the credit card another place, car loans and mortgages going to different institutions. So they're just kind of spreading the business around. And that's chipping away at credit union's business model, I think, little by little over time. So, you know, increased consumer expectations coupled with competition from fintechs has the potential to, I think, erode our business little by little in the future. The credit unions are going to have to step up their game to compete. You mentioned the coronavirus. That's not something you've seen during your career. What was it like for We Florida Financial? Over the years, I've lived through the stock market crash in the late 80s, a regional economic downturn in the Northeast in the early 90s, which caused about a 30% decrease in real estate prices. The economic turmoil after 9-11, I live in Florida, so of course, real estate prices went up and then crashed 50% around 2008, 2009. So I've seen all of those things, you know, recessions and so on. This has had some things in common with that. We've had a lot of people unemployed, people fearful, people don't want to spend money, people reaching out for help. Unemployment has hit historic highs, although it's come back down somewhat. I think credit unions were here to help a lot of these people when they reached out for loan extensions, forbearance agreements, fee waivers, and things like that. So I think it's been similar in some respects to what I've seen in the past, but just to a, a higher degree. So, you know, credit unions have had to increase their allowance for loan loss reserves and really just try to step up and help people and do a lot of positive messaging. You know, we're here for you. We're here for you. Call us before you have a problem. We'll help you. We've got lots of programs to help you. So I've seen some of it before. Some of it's been different. It's gone on certainly for a while, been very stressful for people. But I think credit unions overall have done a good job at stepping up to help people. And that will probably come back in some loyalty to pay those loans to the extent that they possibly can. Lloyd, when you look back at your career and the time you've been in the movement, what are some of your favorite memories? Way back in the day, I can recall uh, in 1986, uh, concluding that my department needed a loan procedure and forms manual and um, actually sitting and doing one on a typewriter of all things. So that was kind of funny when you think of how things get done. Now it would be something that's all electronic sitting on an internet someplace and it was a paper book that we typed. I can think of a car sale that we uh, had to do really not too long ago where there was a power failure at the local site this was going on. So, of course, no one on the staff knew what to do because they couldn't access their electronic systems and things like that. But we had brought 
backup paper forms and so forth. So um, ended up having to teach the staff a crash course and how to do things the old way. And some of them just kind of didn't really get this at first. Like, well, how do you underwrite without a computer? How do you do a form without a computer? And of course it can be done. So it's kind of interesting, you know, also creating new loan products at both ends of the spectrum. So I think throughout my career, I've done a lot of product innovation and I've looked to try to help people help people who needed help, and then also do things to let them realize their financial dreams, whether that was a small used car or something bigger, maybe a house, a boat, something like that. So um, among some of the products that I've created where I've worked, I've been a first-time car buyer loan, subprime auto loans, subprime credit cards, credit builder loans to get established, loans for people who are here on work visas in this country, mortgages with no closing costs, and then airplane and boat loans for those who have the means to buy those things. And then also with my staff, I love mentoring people. So I've mentored quite a few staff over the years. I've always looked for what was best in each of these people and tried to go with that and help them be all they can be. And I'm proud to say that I've had quite a few people grow to higher level positions, including one who became a CEO, another became a senior vice president. So I really enjoy mentoring people. So those are some of the highlights that stick out. What is it about the credit union movement that's kept you here for more than 30 years? Well, you know, I spent 12 years with a large commercial bank and I got to see what that was like. That was early in my career from when I was 19 to about 31, 32 years old. In a banking environment, everything's about driving earnings and the stock price and, and so forth. I mean, of course, you make loans and you do those things, but everything's just driven around that. And I've been with four credit unions. You get to a credit union and you're like, wow, it's about helping people. So, of course, we do need to make money and do things the right way, but it's very mission driven. And you can actually, I think, in so many cases, see the fruits of your labor come to pass with individual members that you've helped somebody's life that you impacted in a positive way. I've just seen that over and over. So it's very personally fulfilling to work in a credit union and just see the um, the passion that the employees have and just how much you can help individual people. There's a lot of caring among credit union staff towards their members, and that's one of the best things about it. What's the best piece of advice you've received during your career? Stick to your lending fundamentals <laughs> is some of the best advice I've received. Don't relax standards in good times and then don't pull back in the bad times. Just be kind of steady throughout and it's probably not going to get you in trouble. And uh, just because the bank down the street may have a particular product doesn't mean we should. (laughs) You really want to stick to your lending fundamentals. I think that one thing got me through the real estate run up and, and the market crash that happened here because we didn't do anything like that. We stuck to our fundamentals all through that. And what advice would you offer to young professionals who want to keep growing and making an impact? I think if you're just starting out, probably learn to underwrite well. It sounds simple, but don't rely on just computer models to do everything for you. Just understand the real concepts behind those things and just learn that from someone who knows it. And uh, again, just what I said before, stick to your lending fundamentals. There's really no magic bullet that's going to generate huge amounts of volume at high rates without taking an awful lot of risk. So just be steady. You know, again, um, structure loans that are right for individual members. Don't relax your standards just to make a deal. And then don't just automatically tighten things up if there's a recession or something. Just kind of be steady state all the time. I think I've seen some credit unions that do that really well. I can think of a few. 
and some chief lending officers that I greatly respect that operate that way. And that has served them very, very well. And then I think with individual members, sometimes um, saying no or giving a counteroffer is actually in the member's best interest. You don't want to load them up with debt that they really can't afford just to get a loan out the door. That's not what we're about here. We're about what's doing in the member's best interest. It's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn from them. Hopefully, they're not million-dollar mistakes. And just make sure you have fun at work. You know, you should look forward to going to work every day. We're going to spend eight hours a day there. So if you manage staff, try to keep that in mind to make sure those people feel happy and engaged and cared for. And if you aspire to be a manager, uh, remember that if you do treat your staff that way one day when you're managing them, you'll get a lot of loyalty and hard work in return. So just try to really have fun at work every day. Next, Tim Dunham talked about how he got involved in the credit union movement, the importance of relationship building, and what advice he has for those in the movement. Tim, first off, congratulations. What was your reaction when you found out that you were named the rising star for the CUNA Lending Council? Well, first, I was just very appreciative. First of Dave Gurman, my boss, our chief lending officer. He took the time to write a very thoughtful, generous type recommendation. So, you know, he did a good job. So I appreciate that from him. It's an honor, obviously, but felt you know, a little validation that was good for a lot of the hard work that we've put in, um, you know, for our team, not just me. I just really was appreciative of the whole thing. What's your background? How'd you end up at Credit Union of America? So I didn't go to school to work in finance or anything like that. Uh, I went for secondary education, wanted to be a teacher and a coach and went down that path for a little while. And then out of school, my wife and I moved to Oklahoma for her job with ConocoPhillips. And so I kind of Knew I needed to be employed, and I went through like a, a hiring process at like a school um, hiring function, and you know I thought it all went well, and then I didn't hear anything back, and I followed up, and you know it got to be like we're getting ready to move, and I was like I need to have a job. So I remember Truity Credit Union in Bartlesville, they had a booth there at the career fair thing that I had gone down to, so I followed back up with them, and you know long story short, I wound up with an underwriting job, which. I'm very glad it all worked out that way. Things were good at Truity. I really enjoyed working there. I had a lot of good people to learn from. And uh, it was trial by fire. So I just got fire hose of information coming. We're from Wichita. And so we both wanted to start a family and you know be closer to family as we did that. And so I started kind of looking out at credit unions in Wichita. And CUA obviously is one of the big ones here. We, there's two large credit unions in Wichita and CUA is one of them. And then I was looking at who was in sort of similar roles. And I, there was a guy, Gary Hole, who I remembered from high school and college. I would go in when I was back home and we would roll jujitsu at this law enforcement center. And I was like, oh, Gary works there. That's really cool. So I reached out to him. I was like, hey, if you got anything open, we'd love to come back, you know, looking to move back. And so got the job at CUA. I get to work with Gary today, which is still pretty cool. We have a working relationship and that's good. But small world, it just worked out. How do you think lending is going to change in the future? So I don't think that the trajectory of lending and underwriting has really changed a lot. I think this has given us more as an organization, more comfortability with remote underwriting, sending our folks home. Fortunately, we have a really good staff and they are still very productive. Little growing pains with sending our people to remote branches or working from home, that kind of thing. We have the right people in the right places. And so to get more comfortable with the remote underwriting situation, I think we could grow that in the future. We're not trying to go do it, but 
we now know that we can do it comfortably. But the future of kind of lending and things like that, a large part of what I do right now is efficiencies and automation. I think we're, we're going more towards that. The availability of data and to make it cost effective is probably a big challenge. And everybody is going to put together new ways of lending based on the data that's available. So we have lots of internal data that we've, you know, as we've refined systems and brought systems into the 21st century and things like that, we have that data available to us on the underwriting side that maybe we hadn't considered before. Obviously, machine learning is a big deal, can get a lot of understandings that we wouldn't think of on the surface that can find relationships that maybe we wouldn't have considered. So the capabilities to, I guess, be aware to our blind spots with data, those will be brought to light to us as we get up our data warehouses and things like that. It's going to grow the data availability, but the trick is to get it all in a cost-effective manner because the application costs are still there. And then the growing data on top of it is another layer. So we want to keep our costs down so we can keep offering that low rate. Other than data, what trends do lenders need to be aware of as we move forward? So for us, like we're, we're a regional, we're in Kansas. So we're somewhat insulated from coastal swings. So these big macroeconomic things, they impact us, but not always at the same scale. And so I think understanding our local markets, we try to be very focused on local lending. And though we have a centralized team, we have a hybrid where every branch has the availability for a loan officer to make a decision. And I still think there's the function of relationship building is part of lending. Now we're going to increase that automation and increase the speed because not every member wants you know, a handshake and talk about the weather, but a lot of them do. And so to be able to serve both sides of that, I think is a big thing for our success. And then just understanding kind of those local markets. We're in Wichita, we're kind of famously associated with the aerospace industry. And that's very cyclical, it goes up and down. So understanding when there's layoffs coming and there's a whole supply chain that runs down, you know, there's parts manufacturing and delivery that all feed that industry. And so trying to understand who's being impacted by that. And so I think just for us, keeping that focus on local, keeping that focus on who our members actually are and trying to understand them and then just listen to them. That's the other big thing is because we want to be available for the conversations up to our CEO, everybody at the organization. And I know our CEO, Frank, he takes member calls. They say, I want the CEO. Well, you can have the CEO. You can talk to him. And that's part of our, our ethos. We just believe that we need to be accessible to our membership. What's the best piece of advice you've gotten during your career? I've got one that's kind of silly and then one that's a little more serious. But when I was six years old, I started wrestling. I've been involved with wrestling and we talked about, you know, doing jujitsu stuff. Our wrestling motto when I was six was respect all, fear none. And like that kind of has just stuck in the back somewhere. So there, it's a little piece of just, you know, treat everybody with respect, but don't be afraid of the moment or the task or whatever it is or your opponent in that case. But I think that was sage advice for a six-year-old kid. If I had any advice that I try to live by, is probably that respect for self, for the role I'm in, for my boss, for our members. And if you're doing that, you're, you're just fitting where you're supposed to. You respect for all those things. So just having that as a piece and making sure that others are treating you with respect and you know communicating when that's not happening. So whenever you feel that something's out of line to address it. But if I had to distill down one thing from all my bosses and pieces of advice, really in kind of credit union world is the ability to say yes. So just try to make something work. 
And whether that's obviously in lending, that's a direct, there's a direct correlation there with trying to say yes and being successful in lending, but trying to make it work for us. So obviously, sometimes we're going to make counter offers and those function as like a, a polite decline. Here's what we're able to do if you can meet these stipulations, these hurdles, but truly giving people a way forward because that also maintains sort of that respect factor. Like if I can give you an option, here's a way, and maybe one out of 10 people can meet some of these, what I call like a polite decline on a counter offer, but it maintains their self-esteem because they, they didn't get turned down. They were given a path forward. And so I think to find a way to say yes is a big thing for any lender, but then also just, you know, within the organization, whether it's a project we're working on, whether it's cross training or something like that, we're just trying to find a way to make things work. And Tim, what advice do you have for young professionals in the credit union industry? I'm young. So I feel like, you know, obviously there's life lessons that people that are older than me have learned, but you know, if I've kind of gleaned anything from them and some of the things that have worked for me, understanding the bigger picture, not relying on anecdotes, you're always going to have something bad happen in lending and you'll, you can't be gun shy of that. So not relying on the one-off story, but to understand the bigger picture especially if you're in a lending role. So understand your pools of data and your performance areas within those pools, wrapping your head around the big picture and then the channels within that big picture and using that to guide your lending philosophy or or why you're making a decision rather than, well, Joe down the street, he lost his job that one time and then couldn't pay. Those stories get stuck in your head and to not let those guide it, but the bigger data guide it. Lending, anymore will be in the gray area for people because as we increase automation, you know, all the easy yeses and all the easy no's are going to get taken away. And so it's our job to figure it out. I think that relationship piece is really important within lending, especially these gray areas. So understanding the relationship, but then also then knowing what a FICO score really means, a predictor of a 60 day, you know, hit within X amount of time frame to wrap your head around the big data of what's driving, I guess, consumer behavior within your own portfolio. And that's a difficult thing to do. So to have really good analytics is one. And that's something we're always building up. But to just get a hold of the bigger picture, get involved and ask questions. My first few years, I asked a ton of I probably drew <laughs> drove my bosses crazy. And so, you know, it's helpful though. I just think asking questions, wrapping your head around the big picture to guide those decisions is a big deal. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio.